0: What does motion sound like? With Kizikans Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizikcom socks. This is the Carlin vs. Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.
1: <laughs> is that our finest work?
2: Oh my God, it's up there. Take the rest of the day off. Let's go get lunch. I have to tell you, like, and I loved Rick Martel. I I told you during the break, somebody put me in the Boston Crab once, and I got to say, painful. Painful. That body was in the Boston Crab? It was. Well, it wasn't this body then when it happened. It was... Not far from this body. <laughs> I
1: was going to say, is it dramatically different or
2: just slightly different? Uh, it was just a younger version of being out of shape, which you know,
1: <laughs> it's like they talk about with steroids—you heal faster, you know, when you're <laughs> younger. Martel spraying people with arrogance, and Rick Rude telling everyone to shut up while he yeah. took his robe off—two yep. of the all-time best Amazing. heels in the sport.
2: Amazing, Rick Rude. <laughs> Every town, picking somebody out of the crowd, making out with her, you know. What I'd like to have right now is for every one of you Tuscaloosa
1: tough guys to shut your mouths. For all you fat, sweaty, (laughs) out of shape bozos, keep the noise down.
2: (laughs) and here 's the other thing too that came out of that whole strike force thing Whew. Tito Santana may have had the worst finishing move in the history of wrestling. The flying elbow can we be a little more creative? yeah
1: yeah, it was that wasn't, wasn't great? He was a good wrestler, but not a great finishing move. agreed okay. Carlin
2: versus Joe, ESPN radio Sirius XM channel eighty. I love the finishing move i can 't get enough of it. I really can 't which one uh, My favorite would be uh, certainly the road warriors when Hawk would go up on the, on the ropes and animal would lift up somebody on his shoulders yeah. and Hawk would give him the clothesline off of uh animal shoulders.
1: I, I like that. I was always a uh, big fan of Brutus, the barber putting you to sleep and then cutting your hair.
2: Yeah. That was always a solid, <laughs> solid choice.
1: <laughs> I always remember thinking, Oh my God, could you imagine if that happened to you? How awful that would be. You'd wake up and your hair's cut and, Clearly, I was a, a, a lot a lot younger. I, I think he was. I think he was awake. <laughs> yeah, they, they they may have discussed this in
2: advance. <laughs> well, Joseph, speaking of discussing it in advance, we discussed the Cowboys plenty in advance of this weekend. Again, magical transition. This is uh, what we have to do here is painful for me, and it is to give the Dallas Cowboys credit and to understand that they are reaching a new level of needing to be taken seriously because they have gone out, they have beaten a very good team in the Philadelphia Eagles. They, I think admittedly got the Eagles at the right time at the back end of a very long stretch. Uh, They had a tough loss to them in Philadelphia at the beginning of this stretch, but the Cowboys went and did what you're supposed to do when you have a wounded animal. They went and just hammered them and hammered them and hammered them. And the Eagles, frankly, just never had a shot in that game to try to come back and win their offense. Very sloppy with the football, very sloppy with penalties. Uh, It killed them all night long. Dallas
1: has earned itself a seat at the table. They're up at the big boy table now because this is something Miami Dolphins fans should be paying attention to. Dolphins fans want the respect that they think they deserve, but they haven't beat anybody yet. They're tired of hearing that. Well, here's what happens when you beat somebody. And for anyone who wants to come out with the, yeah, but look at the scenario, 10 days off versus understood right up until you realize the Cowboys throttled the Eagles. If the Cowboys needed a miracle to get past them in that situation, then you might turn your head a little bit and say, eh, not exactly as impressive as it should have been. But they went in there, and they beat them pillar to post. The Eagles were never in that football game. Dallas went right down the field and scored. They made it a two-score game relatively quickly. The only reason there was a gasp at one point was because of the Prescott fumble that Jalen Carter returned for a touchdown. And even then, it was still two scores. And the Cowboys immediately responded by putting more points on the board. The Cowboys were very, very buttoned up. They looked prepared. They looked organized. They looked confident. They looked every bit the part of a championship contender. And you know what? We'll take them seriously now. You won a big game. You deserve that credit. As we begin the conversation of whether or not you're the best in the NFC, could you get past the Niners on the road? Those could lead to different conversations. But for today, Dallas has earned their seat at the table because that was a hell of a performance from the team and specifically the head coach and the quarterback who both have come under quite a bit of heat during their respective tenures. Yeah, no doubt.
2: Mike McCarthy has basically been viewed as a buffoon for months and and for a couple of years, frankly. And... Just as as Jerry Jones's lapdog, so to speak, he's going to do whatever Jerry wants. Thank you, sir. May I have another. And then at the beginning of the year, there I could not find one person, myself included, by the way, that felt like it was a good idea for Mike McCarthy to let Kellen Moore go and to take over the offense. And it's hard to argue that that was the right move right now. Hard you argue against it because it is the right move. I, he's been very, very good this year with running this offense, with having a feel for it, and at the same time, the quarterback has responded as about as well as can be. And it prompted this from Chris Canty this morning on Unsportsmanlike, which, frankly, I was a little surprised by. Take a listen. Your team demonstrated last night that they can compete with and beat anybody in the NFL. Right now, sitting here today, I would be shocked if this Cowboys team doesn't get to the championship rounds, I would be shocked if this Dallas Cowboys team doesn't get to the conference championship game or better. That's how much I believe in the Dallas Cowboys That's how much of a 180 I'm making on my stance with the Dallas Cowboys. Well, now, having said that, there's a problem, and it's winning the division because it's still in the hands of the Eagles. They have to all they have to do is take care of their own business. And they win the NFC East. And they have a much softer schedule than Dallas does. The Eagles, the rest of the way, to be clear, Joe, have the easiest schedule in the NFL. They have the Giants twice in four weeks down the stretch of the season. And they have Seattle this week on the road, which is, it's not easy. But then you get Arizona, too, that is in the midst of that uh, schedule as well. You could not ask for a better stretch to try to get better and healthier after what they just went through. I'm not going to sit here and tell you the Eagles don't have issues. They do. But, boy, I would say write them off at your own peril.
1: So let's do this. Let's say the Eagles go to Seattle this coming Monday night. They win, and then they handle the Giants twice, and they handle Arizona. Um, I'm not definite on this, but they have the tiebreaker over Dallas if Dallas wins out, right? Right. Is that what everyone's saying? Yeah, okay. the Eagles
2: right now still control their own destiny. Okay, so, so let's say if they the Eagles win out;
1: they win the division. Yeah, let's say they go four and zero the rest of the way out, and they win the division. That means Dallas is a wild card team. Let's also indulge in this fantasy that Dallas wins out, and Dallas's path is as follows: at Buffalo this week, who suddenly is right back in the mix; at Miami the following week; home against the Lions, and then at the Commanders. Imagine they win out. And they don't get the division, fine. But that is a really, really dangerous Dallas Cowboys team at that point, is it not? Because beating the Eagles, this has answered a lot of questions. I'm not about to set up more roadblocks and knock the Cowboys. I am impressed with what they did. I want to give them their flowers. But if they end up as a wild card team and yet go on a stretch where it's, they're going to beat the Eagles, they beat the Bills on the road, the Dolphins on the road, the Lions at home, and then wrap up with the Commanders, that's a hell of a stretch right there. Is it yeah. not? It is. Does that change our opinion as to whether or not they can win on the road in the playoffs? Because they'll have gone to Buffalo in December, as well as Miami, who could be the one seed when those two get together. I
2: would argue that they could not win in San Francisco, certainly. I I do not agree with Chris when he says they can beat anybody. They can't beat the 49ers.
1: So what you saw yesterday is not enough for you to believe that they're going to be able to beat the 49ers. No.
2: No. Absolutely not. In either place.
1: It is no. still important to note that while they looked good yesterday, that Dallas defense does have some concerns. Yeah. They are not an elite unit. They have had some games this year where they have been touched up quite a bit. Yeah,
2: the Philly offensive line hasn't played great. They, they truly haven't. But I, And I still have trouble believing that if Philly gets themselves right over the next few games, that Dallas could go into Philadelphia and win it's more likely that they could win there than they could win in San Francisco. I would agree
1: with that because I don't know what we're going to see from this Philadelphia team the rest of the way. Are we going to see a team that gets back on track, or are we seeing signs of things to come? Because they look exhausted, absolutely exhausted.
2: I think they're – I don't know how well they match up with the 49ers right now. That's the only team that I would look at. Even if they're able to turn this uh, little two-game stretch back around and get back to what they have been, I – would argue that the matchup with the 49ers just isn't a terribly good one for them. No, it really isn't. And whereas before earlier in the year, I would have said that San Francisco can't go into Philadelphia and win. I think they could now. Well, I think that game, the that game last week did a lot for me to open my eyes on that.
1: That's good. That's good. That's important. Yeah. Um, you mentioned how they might not be a great fit for the Niners. I, I don't think a lot of teams are, which just went, yeah. made me think about this. In a few weeks, we have Baltimore at the Niners, that's which the one. is going to be a circle, highlight, turn the phone off sort of game. Joe, that's the one.
2: That's, right now. If that's you her? Them, she's
1: the one you're going to put the ring on?
2: Yeah. Okay. If I had to – look, I think the Dolphins could end up with the number 1 seed, but as far as matchups – with the linebackers that the Ravens have, I think that would be more of a problem for the 49ers. Mm. <laughs> I think that's the, I think Right now, if you had asked me for a game that I want in the Super Bowl, it's probably that.
1: Okay. It's a, great, it's a great stylistic matchup. Yeah. With what they bring to the table and all the playmakers there. Carlin
2: versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. Man, I don't know that I can remember ever seeing Patrick Mahomes as angry and whiny as he was yesterday. And there's really only one message for him.
0: Shut up. (laughs) That's next on ESPN radio and two and ranked ninth in the nation. The Missouri Tigers head to Jerry's World to face seventh-ranked Ohio State, who win 11-0 before falling to Michigan in their regular season finale. The Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic. Coverage begins Friday, December 29th at 7.30 Eastern with kickoff at 8 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.
3: Kansas City! Number 19, offense lined up in the neutral zone. Five-yard penalty.
2: Second down. I'm going to get a warning before something like that happens in the big game. It's a bit embarrassing in the National Football League. that big place. because it's awesome. we want to lose, man. Uh, just, just for the of Kansas, another game, and if we're talking about the routes, man. Uh, it's I what not want to fit the NFL to football. Ironic. Or fitting. Because I do believe... That Patrick Mahomes needs to chiggity check himself before he wrecks himself. (laughs) Carlin versus Joe, ESPN radio, on the ESPN app, on Instagram, at Jay Fortenbaugh, at that guy, Carlin.
1: Joseph. The uh, levels of stupidity on today's show. Yes. Top notch. I have to tell you.
2: You know, we're going through the first few months of the show, and daily I'm kind of uh, mental evaluations of it today. Endorphins are flying.
1: <laughs> really loaded. We've gotten a bunch of WWE references in. We got some great promos cut during the break.
2: Carlin versus Joe. Nothing is too stupid.
1: <laughs> so you can really tell a difference between uh, Wilner producing and the old Haman. You know what? Interesting. That's I fair. was gonna say it does feel as if the bar is quite lower today.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Wilner usually keeps us somewhat on the straight and narrow. Handman's a freestyling guy, freeform, let it flow.
1: <laughs> Handman's like let's let's create some art. Yeah. Evan's more engineering. Handman's more artist. Yeah, you let uh, you let yourself artiste. <laughs> <laughs> you let yourself
2: take it where you want to go. <laughs> I got to tell you, I I was so annoyed with Patrick Mahomes last night, dude, shut up. And it's the first time I've ever said that about Patrick Mahomes. He is not this guy. He is not this whiny guy, but so angry about the penalty at the end of the game. That was called on Kadarius Tony for lining up offside. It's never been more blatant for an offensive player. He said after the game that he's never heard it called before. And in fact, it's been called a bunch of times in the NFL this year, Joe, Take a listen to Mahomes and tell me he doesn't sound
1: like a whiny baby right now. It's the call, man, just in that moment. It's not even for my, myself or for me. It's just I know how much everybody puts into this game and for it to, to happen on a flag change outcome of a game in that moment. I mean, I, I've played seven years never had that, never had offense all sides called. That's elementary school we, we talk about. I mean, you point to the ref, do all that different type of stuff, and it doesn't get called. And if it does, they warn you, and there was no warning throughout the entire game. Um, and then you wait till there's a minute left. In the game to make a call like that, it's just tough, man. It, it, I mean, it's lost words, man. It's just, it's tough because regardless if we win or lose, man, just for it to end of, with another game and it, we're talking about the refs, man. It's just not what we want for any for the NFL and for football.
2: I cannot understand why Patrick Mahomes is not angry with Kadarius Tony for doing it in the first place because Kadarius Tony has been consistently through his career the guy that drives you nuts, incredible ability. Going to make a stupid play at times as well, or off the field complain about something. He was that way with the Giants. That's why they were more than willing to get rid of him as quickly as they did. And the Chiefs thought they could come into our culture, we'll fix him, and stupid things like this happen. Joe, it's on him for not checking with the official, as I would say 95% of receivers do on every single play.
1: Yeah, I, Mahomes probably is furious with him, just not publicly. He's going to keep that. Do you think that's up. what he was here in protecting him? Uh, no, I don't. I don't know if I'd go so far as to say he was protecting him. He's obviously mad. They're all mad at him. But they have reached a level of professionalism where rather than put him under the bus, I guess they'll just go after the refs. I don't know if he was thinking one up like, all right, I'm going to go after the refs. And I'm going to protect my guy because they've been burning him all year. Um, I think the Chiefs have just been wildly fascinating this year. This is such a great year from the Chiefs from an entertainment standpoint. I mean, we get the Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey thing that's been going on. And then you have these games where this is starting to happen. The Chiefs, for the first time, are starting to come unglued. And it's just fascinating to watch what happens when the shoe's on the other foot. Yeah, you're upset at the officials. You know what? There are a lot of teams that are upset at officials. Things break poorly all the time. You got to move past it. And if Travis Kelsey drops that pass, no one's even talking about Tony being offsides. But because Travis Kelsey caught it and then made this ridiculous lateral across the field to Tony, we're talking about how we were just robbed of one of the greatest plays of the season. Too bad. Practice and line up on sides. That's on you. You guys are normally buttoned up, but they're not this year. And we're watching the Chiefs come unglued. This is historic this season. Patrick Mahomes is in his sixth year as the team starter. In the previous five years, Kansas City was 32 and nine at home during the regular season 78 percent. This year, they're four and three. I heard some stat the other day about how the Chiefs don't lose games back-to-back. They just lost games Uh back-to-back. They're in uncharted territory, and Mahomes isn't handling it well. Did you see him after the game when he went to embrace Allen? And he gives him the hug, and he starts talking about what an awful call it was. Hey, man, you do realize Allen was on the other end of that hug with you in that AFC divisional round game where they didn't get the ball in overtime, right? Like, he's been on the other end, and he hasn't come to you complaining. But now Mahomes, he wants everyone to know it because he's not handling it well. It's just it's fascinating. I'm not dogging him for it or anything like that. I'm just thoroughly entertained by the product because it has been thoroughly entertaining.
2: Now, just as far as the league is concerned, John Perry, ESPN's Monday Night Football officials expert, former NFL Uh, referee was on on like this morning and laid out what's been going on with this penalty in particular in my tenure of 20 years i may have seen this called twice we just didn't call we warned we warned we warned over and over and we pushed defensive linemen out of there we pushed receivers back we made every effort to make them legal at the snap they have been attempting to clean up the neutral zone. And the league has encouraged these flags. They want the neutral zone cleaned up. The call was made this year because the league wants a call. In years past, it was a warning. I'm sorry that you didn't get your warning. But it was so blatant, as they, as they said after the game, Joe, that the official actually couldn't even see the football because <laughs> Kadarius Tony was blocking
1: it. Yeah. It's obvious. You got to call it. Sometimes with PI, well, you know, it wasn't as egregious, or yeah, maybe it was, or look right here. There's kind of. It's subjective. This isn't. It's very obvious. Every image you see, he's off sides. The fact that the Chiefs feel that they should have gotten some sort of warning, no. We'll just line up on side. It aggravates me, too, that Kadarius
2: Tony has ended up in this situation with the Chiefs last year. And, Joe, what have we knocked about the Chiefs? for the most this year it has been the receivers the guy with this kind of talent and this quarterback is basically nothing more than a fourth or fifth at best and he has that talent you see him run that ball in easily and beat anybody to the end zone after the lateral from travis kelsey that to me that play itself is Kadarius tony's career in a nutshell Screw something up, capable of making a big play, but something gets in the way.
1: What's the ceiling for the Chiefs this season? Oh, Is it still a Super Bowl question. winner or have they been downgraded? No, I think we have to downgrade. Them. We got to downgrade the stock. When
2: you talk about how they're falling apart and the way they're handling themselves like that. That's the thing. That feels like it's different this year.
1: Yeah, we got to downgrade know? their credit rating. Yeah, to super crummy. Well, we're not going to go that far. It's not Carolina, okay? It's certainly (laughs) not Carolina. If you watched any of that game yesterday, congratulations. You're a better man than most. No, congratulations.
2: You're a moron for wasting all that time. That game was tough. Yeah. If you had gambling on it and you were looking for some action, I won't blame you.
1: If you had the Saints, I had the Panthers. It was a disaster. (sighs) We'll just move past that. Carlin vs. Joe, ESPN Radio,
2: SiriusXM XM, Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Are you a believer now in the Cowboys that they dismantled the Eagles? Who do you favor to win the NFC East? We'll try to get some calls in at 888-SAY-ESPN on the Dr. Pepper call-in line, 888-729-3776. But up next, Takeoff, Part 2. You're welcome. Carlin versus Joe,
0: the ESPN app. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN radio.
3: Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
2: Enough is enough! I have had it with these takes on this plane. Everybody strap in!
0: This plane is headed down the runway and ready for the NFL takeoff.
2: it is. It's Garland versus Joe ESPN Radio NFL Takeoff Part 2 We Waste No Time
0: Ravens 37, Rams 31
2: This was an ugly game in the rain but a pretty good game overall. Joe, I look at a few different things here. I look at the Rams who I, I think that they have just fought and scrapped and clawed to try to play their way back into having a season that they've done a great job and then they lose it in a fluky fluky way but it felt like at times despite how well jackson played that they were trying to give this game away to the Rams.
1: hell of a football game Cooper yeah. Cup, eight receptions, 115 yards, and a touchdown. I wonder, that one catch, by the way, down the left side, that was yeah. a great catch. And, I mean, again, the field conditions were miserable. It was raining starting at 10 a.m., and that was a 1 p.m. game. Like, the report was that they were going to get four inches of rain during that game, and they gave us 68 total points. Sean McVay has done a remarkable job with this Rams team. Don't sleep on them. They're going to clean up the salary cap and the draft pick situation over the next couple years, and they could be right back in business. As for the Ravens, look, they made several key mistakes in big spots. They let the Rams hang around longer than they needed to, but at the end of the day, they did what good teams do, and that's find a way to win the game.
2: Hyland Wallace, who had the punt return for the touchdown in overtime, had not returned a punt in the NFL up until yesterday. Wow. Whoa. And they end up winning, and more importantly, they end up covering on the back end of my teaser. Uh. Bears 28, Lions 13. Joe, I got to tell you, and I texted you guys at the time, I was so angry with what happened with the Lions late in this game. Before the Bears put it away for good, Fourth down for the Bears, probably a fourth and four near midfield. The Lions allowed D.J. Moore to be out in single coverage on the left side, and he just blew past the defensive back. It was the easiest throw of Justin Fields' career. And if you're the Lions as bad as you have been defensively, how do you possibly let that happen?
1: Uh, I don't know. I mean, there was a time where the Lions were kind of the darling. The, yeah. I, I do not understand why Dan Campbell is still listed as the coach of the year favorite. He's done a good he job, don't get me wrong, but he has not done a coach of the year job. They had a several, several boneheaded mistakes in really, really big spots yesterday. And once again, ladies and gentlemen, Jared Goff outdoors in bad weather. It is very much a thing. 20 of 35, 161 yards. He averaged 4.6 yards attempt. They couldn't throw the ball down the field. One touchdown, two interceptions, rushing for the day. He did nothing. If he has to go to Philadelphia or any other cold-weather city... In the playoffs, it's not going to work out for the Lions. And by the way, the first two years of the Dan Campbell tenure were slow starts followed by strong finishes. This year, it looks like the opposite. That's problematic.
2: Yeah, and that, that weak finish could have come at the hands of the Broncos this week uh, on what that game is on NFL Network on Saturday. Then uh, Three Saturday
1: the, games this week, by the way.
2: Yes, that is one of them. That is the night Saturday game. Then you've got a trip to Minnesota Christmas Eve trip to dallas on the 30th another saturday game and then minnesota at home to close it up not going to be easy to take both of those minnesota games i mean they could get to 10 but they're going to be scrapping there let's be clear 49ers 28,
0: Seahawks 16.
2: No Geno Smith. I got to give Drew Locke some credit in this game, Joe. You know, the 49ers get, what was it, like a 78-yard run on the first play from scrimmage from Christian McCaffrey, and you think this is going to be a long day. Seahawks come right back. They score a touchdown. Great catch by, uh, by D.J. Metcalf, or D.K. Metcalf. But in the end, the 49ers are too much because they're just too talented on both sides, and Metcalf... God, he lost his
1: mind at the end of that game. These two hate each other. Yeah. They absolutely hate each other, and the game got really ugly late. A lot of altercations on the field. Metcalf gets thrown out. He It almost looked like he was trying to get thrown out because the cameras kept panning to him on the sidelines. He was pouting for the better portion of the day. He was disruptive for the better portion of the day. And then it seemed like at the end when the game was out of hand, he was going to go ahead and get the early exit to the showers, and it was mission accomplished. For the Niners, I mean, that was a physical game. They handled their business. Uh, Drake Greenlaw got a little nicked up in that game, so make sure you keep an eye on that moving forward. Niners have this left, all right? You got
2: the Rams at home. That's always a tough game. It McVay is. plays they Shanahan will, real tough. They will play them tough. There's no doubt. They're at Arizona uh, first. Then they've got Baltimore. At Washington and the Rams at home to close out the year. That Baltimore game, Monday night game. Wait, Christmas you said the night. Rams
1: twice. They've already played the Rams this year. No, 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 no,
2: no. They're playing. I, I misspoke. The Rams are the last game of the year. Okay. Arizona this week on the road. Baltimore at home. Uh, Christmas night, eight fifteen. That's a game. The cr- Christmas night is the Baltimore game. Yes. Ooh.
1: Baltimore, San Francisco, Christmas night, eight fifteen Eastern. ABC To dial back the Pinot Noir consumption from throughout the day, make sure my mind is sharp.
0: Oh, that's right, my friend. That's (laughs) going to be a heck of a game. Broncos 24, Chargers 7.
2: Joe, heretofore, we will refer to games that we wager on, that we feel ultra confident in, and they don't disappoint. They deliver that way all the way through. As the rocking chair game. I sat back and enjoyed myself and didn't even sweat once about playing the under in the Broncos Chargers at 44 and a half. And it had nothing to do with Easton Stick coming into the game after Justin Herbert got hurt. Uh, It had more to do with the fact that these two teams consistently hit the under. They do not disappoint, but the Herbert situation, he has broken a finger and there is no telling how long he's going to be out. He is not going to play Thursday night against the Raiders.
1: I, I think we've seen enough. Yeah. I think we've seen it. I don't think you need Justin Herbert back out there. I don't care what math says regarding your position. Here's what your offense has produced the last four weeks. Seven points against the Broncos, six points against the Patriots, 10 points against the Ravens, and then the big 20 spot against the Packers. Like, this team doesn't really do anything well. They're not particularly well coached. They don't play a good brand of offense. Defensively, they don't get a whole lot of stops. If you're a Chargers fan, you have to be looking at the state of the Kansas City Chiefs right now and you have to be thinking to yourself, we just let one get away from us. The Chiefs are vulnerable this year. They're not terrible, but they're vulnerable. And no one in the AFC is around to try to take advantage. Denver's kind of hanging there, but they started too slow and the Chiefs' remaining schedule's too easy. Bummer of a year for the Chargers. They should have been there. Uh, I
2: don't disagree, and hopefully they'll finally do the right thing. Vikings 3, rate of zero.
1: Oh, my God, this game. Wow,
2: 3-0. Three 3-0. Nothing. Three, nothing. So here's, here's a killer. It was Vikings minus 3. Played the Vikings. Thought they were a great bet yesterday. They kicked the field goal at the end. Then Raiders take over. Immediately throw an interception. Vikings. Uh, Raiders have a couple of timeouts. Vikings run a couple of plays. Fourth down. Well within field goal territory. Well within field goal territory. They snap it directly to Greg Joseph lining up for the field goal. And he does a pooch punt that, by the way, was such a bad pooch punt. That it almost gave the Raiders a realistic opportunity to get into field goal range. Kick the second
1: field goal, cover the number, make them go score a touchdown. Everybody goes home happy. I can't, I can't have two games in a row in which six points are scored and the favorite covers both times. We just had that with the uh, Patriot Charger game. We can't have another one of those. Uh, full disclosure on this: so I was watching the early wave and then the early part of the second wave of games here on campus at ESPN, and then I went back to the hotel. I had some red wine. I was focusing on the Niners and the Bills. I paid almost no attention to this game, and then it flashed up that it had just ended 3-0. And I'm like, these boneheads got the graphic wrong. 3-0. And then I looked, and the bonehead was certainly not the graphics, people. It was your boy drinking his red wine thinking, how the hell did this game end 3-0? Well, it's the Raiders, and it's the Vikings.
2: It It had a realistic chance of going to overtime scoreless. Think about that for a second. Oh, my goodness. Carla versus Joe, ESPN Radio. Let's take a second to pat ourselves on the back because we don't do that enough on this show. No, we do not. 3-0 on the weekend in the ESPN Radio Pick'em Challenge. Once again, we have created what I would call separation mm. between us and everybody else. Your thoughts?
1: On the Pick'Em Challenge? Just on us and how great we are. I thought we did a nice job last week of working our process. We had some disagreements, and that's where it can always get messy. But we worked through our discussions. We settled on the Broncos in the matchup against the Chargers. We mm-hmm. set it on the Cowboys in the matchup against the Eagles, and we set it on the Bills in the matchup against Kansas City. And not only did we get the rare sweep, but on top of the sweep, our competition didn't do particularly well. So uh, we really – that, that was a statement game for us. Not like the Cowboys sending a statement like, hey, we can beat good teams. That was a statement like, you know how you all thought you were getting close? Kind of like with Devin Haney did to Regis Progray on Saturday night. Anyone who was doubting Haney, Haney put on the best show of his career. That was us. We're Devin Haney.
2: Yeah, I was about to make that same correlation. Harlan versus Joe, ESPN (laughs) Radio,
1: Sirius XM Channel 80.
2: Well, got back on the beam last week, so you may want to pay attention. Little Monday night moneymaker and get in on the ground floor of a run for the big fella.
3: That's next on ESPN Radio. Geico's mobile app has 24-7 claim service and on-the-go policy info. It's easy to Geico.
0: This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Let's finish this. It's time to end the football week with a win.
2: Easy Money.
0: This is Monday Night Moneymaker.
2: All right, well, things are going well for Joseph. He is faring quite well. He is in the black, sitting at $111.15. We started the season with $100 each. I last week was down to $45. It had really gotten away from me. But we bounced back. Jamar Chase, we went big, 11 to win 10, and Jamar Chase delivered by going over his receiving yard. So Excellent Joseph. Work. We uh I feel good about it. I feel good about that. Every once in a while, you just need that one win to kind of get you going, you
1: know? There you go. There you go. Just one at a time this week. Lay out a couple options. Turn a profit. Just keep digging. Keep grinding. So, this week, I will have two. How many do you have? I have six. All I right. got a little bit more aggressive than I was anticipating. All right, why don't I go first, then? Sure. And we'll... Uh, We'll go from there. And then we'll clear the deck. Exactly. (laughs) Uh,
2: Joseph, uh, first one, we're going to go to the Dolphins game. Raheem Mostert, 46 and a half yards rushing. I'm going to go on the over there. Raheem Mostert has really delivered all season long. And I don't know that, you know, outside of fantasy football, a ton of people have really paid attention to what he has done. But that feels like a very workable number. Now it is at minus one fifteen. So can you help me for a moment on the math if I want to win five dollars at minus one fifteen? Is that
1: six uh, five seventy five five seventy five seventy five to win five? If you it's minus one fifteen, you said yes five seventy five to win five. Okay, so we're
2: going to go over forty six and a half rushing yards, Raheem Mostert for the Dolphins. Uh, 5.75 to win five. Uh, Game two, Packers-Giants. If there's one thing that the Packers have not done this season, it is stop the run. They are third to last in the league against the run. Now, if you can put up enough points where the run doesn't matter, all right, I, for some inexplicable reason, feel the need to show a little faith in Saquon Barkley here. So we're going to go over on the rushing yards for Saquon Barkley, that number is a little bit high than higher than I would love, but it doesn't worth, look like it's worth it for me to go on an alt line. So Saquon Barkley over sixty nine and a half yards, we're gonna bet six dollars. It's minus one ten, so it's five fifty to win five. Right? Okay. 550 to win five, right? There.
1: Correct. Minus 110 would be 550
2: to win $5. Okay, so it's Barkley over 69 and a half. Uh, I take that back. It just changed to 68 on the FDM. You are That's making this think. an
1: that- awful listen. Do you realize I'm this? Sorry. You are throwing numbers everywhere. you got to clean it up. You only have two picks, by the way. We're five minutes into this.
2: Over 68 and a half rushing yards for Saquon Barkley. 550 to win five.
1: <laughs> I'm done. Good. God. Okay, here we go. I've got six. I'm going to read through all of them. Handman, essentially all you need to know is we're risking a grand total of $34 to win 30. Some of these are minus 110, some are minus 115. I'll price it all out later. Number one Tua, under two and a half rushing attempts. Okay? Tua Tonga Vialoa under two and a half rushing attempts. He's only averaging two point two per game this season, and in blowouts, games decided by double digits, he runs much, much less. I think one time in eight or nine games, he's run over three attempts. So Tua, under two and a half rushing attempts. Number two in that game, Derrick Henry, under 55 and a half rushing yards. When the Titans get blown out, Henry gets fewer carries because they have to throw the ball and because they go with the backup running back to avoid wear on Henry. I think they'll probably be trailing in this game. Titans team total under 15 and a half points. I don't see them scoring a whole lot against this Miami defense. So those are the three plays in the Miami game. Tua under two and a half rushing attempts. Titans team total under 15 and a half points. Derrick Henry under 55 and a half rushing yards to so the Giants game under 37 total points. I don't see a lot of scoring in this game. That's where the analysis ends. Number two, Jordan Love's longest reception over 35 and a half yards. Why? Giants love to blitz. Packers very good picking up the blitz. Love excellent against the blitz. I think he hits at least one home run tonight. And then finally, Rashawn Gary, pass rusher for the Green Bay Packers, over half a sack, over half a sack. Giants O-line is terrible. DeVito's been getting sacked like crazy. I think Gary feasts tonight. Now, hey, man, you were looking at me suspiciously. Why don't you ask whatever question? Uh, you, you said uh, reception, but I assume you meant completion for Jordan Love. Yes, longest completion okay. for Jordan Love. Thank you on that one. What was the yardage there? The yardage is 35 and a half for the longest completion. And then did you get the Rashawn Gary? I got the Rashawn Gary. All right, so I'm going to read these off again. I'll tell you which ones are 115, which would mean 575 to win five. And then I'll tell you which ones are 110, which would mean 550 to win five. Tua, under two and a half rushing attempts, that's minus 115. Titans, team total under 15 and a half points, that's 115. Henry, under 55 and a half rushing yards, that's 115. Jordan Love, longest completion over 35 and a half yards, that's 115. That's 115. Under 37 points in the Giants-Packers game, that's 110. Rashawn Gary over half a sack, that's 110. I feel like if you're driving around listening to this, you don't understand what we're talking about. It's like Mandarin. If you were so open to criticizing me, holy crap. Well, I want to make sure it's diligent because these are all pizza money plays as well. So I don't want anyone to think I'm taking liberties with the pricing. So I feel like I have to get it out there on the record. But then the mistake was probably that I'm unloading six picks here. Right. It feels Six like I bit aggressive. off more than I might more than I can chew. Six was aggressive. There's two games. What do you want me to do? I'm not sitting this out. I I know you're not Shooters shoot. Shooters shoot. But I mean, no. next we're telling Steph Curry to start facilitating more in the NBA playoffs. That's a that's an <laughs> apt analogy, I'm sure. People oh yeah, you, Steph Curry, so much in common. Somebody in his car, right in
2: the middle of Iowa listening to the show, thought, you know what? This is like Steph Curry. You can't <laughs> ask him to start dishing. No. No, I applaud all of the, once again, aggressive gambling tendencies, which I, I think should always be appreciated. But, uh, you know, I, I just I take exception to the criticism that I got after you just took us through basically a calculus class. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh. Look, if it wins, it wins. That's all that really matters. Exactly. If the Monday loses, Night Football Preview. If you, had, if you sat through this and it loses, yeah, that might go down as the worst waste of time of, of all. The Monday <laughs> Night
2: Football Preview is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. <laughs> Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs for protection on the road and on the water. See how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and at Progressive.com. So what have we learned today? We've learned Joe's an aggressive gambler. We've learned the model Rick Martell's... Uh, his perfume was called arrogance (laughs) and we've learned that we have to take the Cowboys seriously. That to me, that's a full show.
0: Thanks for listening to the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN radio. You can listen to Carlin versus Joe weekdays from noon to three Eastern on ESPN radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM channel 80. You can also watch and listen on the ESPN app. The Carlin versus Joe podcast.